Welcome to the Horror Babble Originals podcast. A Baker's Dozen at the Zetland Hotel by Ian Gordon Chapter 11 The Spirit Photographer Maurice Turner announced the evening's latest arrival at the Zetland Hotel. The man behind the desk the plain-faced chap in the brown suit and immaculately polished brogues looked up at Maurice and nodded respectfully. "'Ah, yes,' he said, proceeding to scribble the man's name down in the guest-book before him. He then turned to face the key-rack to his rear and carefully unhooked the key to room eleven, one of only two remaining. "'Busy tonight?' Maurice ventured, as the hotelier turned to face him again. Quite so, the plain-faced man said, then took off towards the stairs, signalling for the guest with grey hair and round glasses to follow him. Suite eleven was located on the first floor, accessed via the east corridor. As the pair went, Maurice noticed the unusual vault-like door belonging to suite thirteen. Is that the royal suite? he asked, rather loudly. The hotelier politely shushed him, then whispered, Yes. Sorry, Maurice muttered. It's quite all right, Mr. Turner, said the hotelier. Be mindful, though. The guest in room thirteen mustn't be disturbed. Understood, Maurice affirmed, continuing to follow the plain-faced man along the lengthy corridor. After a brief tour of the suite, the hotelier, in his inimitable way, retreated from room eleven, and returned to his station on the ground floor. "'What an odd situation,' Maurice mumbled, pondering the nature of the guest in the royal suite. He popped his bag on the bed, a neat four-poster in pine, and immediately went after his camera. Maurice was a freelance photographer by trade, made ends meet by shooting weddings and corporate events during peak season. The rest of the year, however, he spent pursuing his greatest passion, spirit photography, the shooting of ghosts and ghouls in purportedly haunted locations up and down the country. The Zetland Hotel had been on his radar for a long time. He'd done the wagon and horses in Scarborough, the pale moon in Thursk, had even travelled further afield to Shrewsbury to shoot the infamous highwayman at the Fairfax Arms. But the Zetland was different. It didn't appear in the periodicals such as Haunted Yorkshire and the Unexplained North. It was an undiscovered gem known only to a select few, those who were privy to the rare publication Spirits of the Zetland, which detailed the hotel's numerous phenomena. The Black Nun, the Corby Sisters, the Stygian Statue, et al. Oh, how Maurice had lorded it over his peers after laying his hands on that extraordinary paperback. And there he was, ready and raring to go with his favourite instant camera, the Polaroid 600. Maurice adored the 600. It allowed for true spontaneity, to be able to shoot and view rapidly. Spirit photography demanded such unbridled functionality, he often said, and he wasn't at all fond of digital. 
Stepping out of his room, he kicked things off by shooting his neighbor's door, the door belonging to room ten. The corridor was reasonably well lit, he thought, allowing for decent exposure. He shot some of the corridor's darker portions, too, on the lookout for backscatter, often referred to as orbs, though Maurice's opinion on the nature of orbs as a paranormal phenomenon was far from concrete. Continuing to the landing area, he shot the curiously vast vault-like door to the royal suite, making as little noise as possible. Waiting for the ejected photo to develop, Maurice listened for sounds of activity throughout the hotel. It was deafeningly silent. Where were the other guests? Hold up in their rooms, asleep? He heard nothing to convince him of their presence. And then his eyes fell on the developed photograph in his hand. The vault-like door had been captured perfectly, brightly illuminated by the chandelier above. But something else had been captured, too— the suggestion of a translucent figure standing next to the door's unusual five-spoke handle. Maurice frowned as he beheld it, and looked up from the photograph to the door itself. Whatever had been captured on film was invisible to the naked eye. He shot the door again, but, after waiting for the image to develop, the translucent figure was no longer present. "'What the—' Maurice muttered, shaking his head. After that, he took off along the opposite corridor, shooting doors seven through nine, observing nothing unusual in the resulting images. Deciding against a foray up into the darkness of the second floor, he descended to the ground floor and shot the empty entrance hall. Next, the adjoining corridors host to rooms one through six, after which he continued to the library. Shots taken in the library were very interesting indeed. Pictures of the Inglenook fireplace displayed faces in the dancing flames, oddly shaped faces that appeared to be shouting or singing. And he saw other images in the fire too. The strange, tortured visage of a mysterious woman, a young lady and a small dog by a window, a ramshackle harbour host to wrecked boats, Myriad otherworldly towers at twilight, a creepy procession, a stack of envelopes, a featureless face. What is this place? Maurice asked of nobody in particular, the subject of his question being the Zetland itself, that strange hotel overlooking the North Sea, the place in which all manner of things weird and wonderful had seemingly occurred over the long years. Then off he went, in search of other things to photograph. Leaving the library, Maurice crossed the empty entrance hall once again, and followed the signs for the billiard room. He was certain he could hear the hotelier wandering the halls above him, the distinctive tread, coupled with the steps of a new arrival, perhaps. Reaching the billiard room, a reasonably sized space, host to, aside from the billiard table itself, a dartboard, a chessboard, a jukebox, and a well-stocked bar, Maurice pulled out his camera and began shooting once again. He was anxious now. His experience by the door to room 13, and the myriad images he'd captured in the library, had spurred him on. He shot the billiard table, the dartboard, the jukebox, and the bar. He shot the lights above the table, 
the darts and the chess pieces, the many spirits behind the bar, but none of the resulting photographs produced anything of interest. It was following the shooting of a window, an oval window on the north wall of the room, that the strangeness presented itself. As the photograph developed before his eyes, he saw that the outline of a figure had been captured, as though the person in question had been standing just outside the moment he pressed the shutter down. Clearer and clearer the image became, revealing further minutiae, strange hair and a stranger mouth, giant jet-black eyes like discs, a rubbery face like that of a puppet. And then the thing in the photograph moved, its elastic head bobbed up and down before Maurice's eyes. He would have dropped it if the creature's dark orbs hadn't held him fixed in place. And then it spoke. Can I come in? Though the words sounded from the surface of the photograph, Maurice perceived the voice as though it was emanating from the back of his mind. What was this thing that was capable of communicating with him through the medium of film? And then it spoke again. Let me in, and I'll grant you a wish. Uh, a wish? Maurice repeated. Yes? It confirmed. Maurice simply nodded, feeling utterly under the thing's command. And what followed was beyond the spirit photographer's ability to process. A tiny, pale hand emerged from the photograph, penetrating the invisible membrane between the image's two-dimensional plane and Maurice's three-dimensional reality. The hand was smooth and magnolia, its fingers slender and malleable. The aperture through which it was forcing itself grew wider and wider, like a nascent sinkhole. When a second hand emerged, followed by two spindly arms, Maurice let go of the photograph, but it floated there in mid-air as a mound of dishevelled, greasy hair appeared before him. The man in the round glasses gasped as the terrible face came into view, that dreadful imitation of a little girl, those dead eyes and shark-like teeth. And there it paused, its incomprehensible hold over Maurice unyielding. Your wish? came the alien tones of the doe-like organism in his midst. There was no hesitation. It came to Maurice instantaneously. It was in his life's work, in his motivation to seek out haunted dwellings and to capture spirits on film. It was in a question, the question to end all questions, the final question. Life after death, Maurice blurted. I wish for proof of life after death. The thing nodded, then vanished before Maurice's eyes. The photograph of the oval window fell like a feather to the parquet, as the man with the grey hair fought to understand what had happened to him. Filled with a new anxiousness, a nervousness ascribable to a promise about to be fulfilled, Maurice Turner returned to his room on the first floor. He paid no mind to the hotelier as he passed the reception desk, nor was his attention drawn to the mystery beyond the door to room 13. He was a man on the cusp of a great discovery. He could feel it in his old bones. 
Thanks for listening today. Join us again tomorrow for part 12.